This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, February 22nd, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. The dignity of the individual and the role of government reserved to protecting individual rights is what makes the United States exceptional. So says Ed Crane, founder and president of the Cato Institute. He spoke at the Cato Institute City Seminar held in Naples, Florida, February 9th. In a civil society, the voluntary sector, you make the decisions about your life, uh, how you spend your money, where your kids go to school, how you save for retirement, and so forth. In a political society, somebody else makes those choices. Egypt is a political society, for instance. Uh, We've got too much of it in this country. Because I think the essence of America is a respect uh, for the dignity of the individual. And it's right there in the Declaration of Independence. Jefferson uh, said that we find there are certain unalienable rights and that among them are the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's a cliche today, that phrase, but it's truly a radical statement, a huge break from the old world where the individual simply didn't count for much, cannon fodder uh, for wars between inbred cousins. Uh, But now, with the Declaration, we're saying, no, we're going to have a government whose sole purpose is to protect, protect us from foreign attack, to adjudicate disputes, protect private property, and pretty much otherwise leave us alone. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is the essence of American exceptionalism. Uh, Drives me nuts when Obama goes around saying, yeah, America's exceptional, but so is Spain, so is Germany. Uh, He misses the point. This emphasis on the dignity of the individual with government there simply to protect our rights is uh, uniquely American. There is such a thing as American exceptionalism, and it's a shame our president doesn't understand that. It's through the Declaration uh, that we come to understand the Constitution itself, the the document that is designed to protect our liberties specifically by limiting the powers of the federal government. One of the great things about the Tea Party movement, it seems to me, has been its focus on the Constitution. We now even have the GOP uh, in the House requiring that any new legislation cite the constitutional authority for whatever the the proposed legislation might be. Uh, But I think the nuances of the Constitution, what is constitutional, what isn't constitutional, is not really uh, what the Tea Party is after. America has always taken great pride in being a, a nation with a rule of law rather than the rule of man. Uh, Politicians all pay lip service to the concept of the rule of law, but they also, almost to the man and woman, uh, refuse to take seriously the source of law in America, namely the United States Constitution. What the Tea Partiers and millions of other Americans are concerned about, what they're frightened about, is that we are becoming a lawless society. Congress and the President seem to believe that they have plenary power to do whatever the heck they want to do with absolutely no limitations. And they're not shy about saying so. Congressman Pete Stark, uh, recently elected to his 20th term in the House from California, uh, told a constituent at a town hall meeting just this past August 
uh, quote, I think there are very few constitutional limits that would prevent the federal government from rules that could affect your private life. He then went on to say, quote, the federal government can do most anything in this country. You know, I, I could have a dozen quotes like that, mostly from Democrats um, and the lovely uh, Nancy Pelosi, uh, uh, then Speaker of the House. When asked where Congress gets the constitutional authority to mandate that all Americans must purchase health insurance, was incredulous, sputtering not once but twice, are you serious? Well, uh, it seems Judge uh, Vinson was serious, and yes, Americans are serious. They are seriously concerned when Congress creates a $1.5 trillion deficit in one year when Congress bails out auto companies and banks and throws a trillion dollars in uh, so-called stimulus money to its favored uh, special interest. Americans are seriously concerned when the Federal Reserve starts messing, its fis messing with fiscal policy, creating two trillion dollars in funding money. Americans are concerned and they're frightened. We don't want to live in a social democratic welfare state uh, like Europe, nor do we want to live in a banana republic, which means we need to keep our eye on Ben Bernanke. And we're turning to the Constitution to stop the chaos. Um, it's as if uh, we feel things are out of control, and we don't have to know all the nuances of the Constitution, but it just seems like, say, they can't do this, can they? Isn't there a document we have that, that says they don't have all this power? The answer is yes. First and foremost, Americans want to stop the spending and stop the borrowing. We have $14 trillion in explicit debt in the United States. You know, throw in the unfunded liabilities of Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid, and the debt is over $100 trillion. On, on, on spending, the President says he wants to freeze 12% of the budget. And uh, now he's proposing major, quote, investments. We all know what investments when the federal government's involved uh, means, spending. He wants investments in green energy, education, and infrastructure. The bottom line when you add it all up is the president does not want to cut the budget. The question is, do the Republicans? I, for one, am tired of hearing GOP leaders proclaim the need to cut spending and then refuse to say what they're going to cut. The new speaker, John Boehner, was asked just recently on national television if he could name one federal program he would eliminate. Uh, he imme his immediate response was, not off the top of my head. Well, got to do better than that. <laughs> if you got the speaker, the leader of the party that's supposed to deal with this $1.5 trillion deficit, not able to come up with a single program he wants to get rid of, then we've got a problem. You know, to, the, the GOP House has come up with, I think, $45 billion in proposed cuts for the rest of the fiscal year. $45 billion is a joke. $45 billion out of a $3.7 trillion budget. Uh, give credit to the new senator from Kentucky, Rand Paul, uh, for calling for $500 billion in cuts in one year. 
that would be a nice start, uh, but again, only a start. Uh, let me see. Off the top of my head, I'd cut $100 billion by eliminating the Department of Education. Why, why members of Congress are afraid to, to discuss this, and this is one of the things that really bothers me, is the tendency of the GOP to say, well, we're going to have across-the-board cuts. That is the cowardly way out. There are things government is doing they shouldn't be doing. You don't want to just take 5% out of the Department of Education. You want to get rid of it. If you looked at a chart that plotted both the, the uh, test results of American students and the budget of the Department of Education, it's really very telling. I mean, the, the budget from the late 70s when Carter first created the department goes just like this, up to $100 billion from nothing. And test scores uh, plotted on a different graph would, would just be flat. You have to ask yourself, what are we doing this for? This doesn't seem to be working. And uh, not, not to mention the fact that the word education is not found in the U.S. Constitution. I would, Reagan was right. It is unconstitutional. But just from an empirical standpoint, let's get rid of it. I'd cut 30, $63 billion by eliminating the Housing and Urban Development Department. <clears throat> you know, the, HUD creates instant ghettos and, uh, and also is added to the glut of housing, which... You know, this whole recession we're in, to me, is primarily just a function of the federal government engaging in massive malinvestment through Fannie and Freddie and, uh, and the Community Reinvestment Act, trillions of dollars going into housing that never should have. It's going to take a long time to get out from under this. And, uh, and so that's, you know, get rid of HUD. $30 billion in farm subsidies to major agribusinesses, $20 billion we can save simply by bringing federal pay into line with private sector pay for comparable jobs. I mean, what's up with that? When, when did this happen? Were federal employees, and now it turns out state and local employees, have better pensions than we do, better salaries than we do, and they voted for themselves. It, it's got to end. Um, we can save $50 billion simply by switching to uh, indexing Social Security benefits to inflation rather than wage growth. There's no reason we can't do that. $20 billion in energy subsidies, everything from wind power to fossil fuels. We subsidize everything. There should just be a free market in energy, which our next speaker will talk about. And God knows how many tens of billions of dollars we can save by bringing our young, brave men and women back from that godforsaken tribal money pit called Afghanistan. Just the idea that these kids are being killed over there for something when we know it's over and our troops are back, this, this tribal nonsense will go on, nothing will have changed. Uh, this is the 50th anniversary of Dwight Eisenhower's admonition of being concerned about the military-industrial complex and I'm, I'm starting to see some of my conservative friends recognize that the Pentagon's a bureaucracy just like HUD is. And the idea that whatever they want, we have to give them, you can't deal with a $1.5 trillion deficit and not address the military budget, which is driven by assignments and therefore troops. And we've taken on way too many assignments. Defending the United States 
is our goal militarily, not to be the world's policeman. Um, I could go on, but you get the picture. It's time for advocates of limited government to talk specifics about the proper role of government. Time to take the Constitution's enumerated powers seriously if we want to preserve our American heritage uh, as a free people. Uh, let me conclude with a quote from Voltaire. I like to quote Voltaire because it makes me sound educated. <laughs> he wrote some wise words back in the 1600s. He wrote, so long as the people do not care to exercise their freedom, those who wish to tyrannize will do so. For tyrants are active and ardent and will devote themselves in the name of any number of gods, religious and otherwise, to put shackles upon sleeping men. Well, it seems to me that Americans are waking up. That's what the Tea Party is all about. That's what the Cato Institute is all about. You know, Mr. Obama seems perplexed when Americans say, <clears throat> we want to take our country back. Uh, but that's what we want, and I believe that's what we're going to have. Thank you very much. Ed Crane is founder and president of the Cato Institute. You can read more about the proper role of government in a free society at Cato.org.